No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody aboard, and thank you for joining Talking Bass in PDX, the Bass and Warm Water Forum, as we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. Well, here we are, February. It's still a little cold to go fishing, but I still wanted to uh, put out a couple of podcasts this month and um, have some guests come on, even as we get ready for... Uh, the spring season. Well, my guest for today's show is someone that I really ought to introduce as my co-host, but Rich Tomlinson, who is is an Oregon native, grew up right here in the Portland area, and has been fishing bass for a long time. He's studied the fish to a point where he probably has enough information that he could write a book. He's a very patient fisherman. And knows when to change baits, and he knows where to find bass around the Portland area. Now, I haven't had any uh, fishing reports uh, for this month, although uh, if you watch Facebook, I notice that a lot of folks are reminiscing about last year. But I think 2021 is going to be a very, very good year for bass fishing. We've had a pretty mild winter, and I'm hoping that the weather will uh, start to warm up and we'll be able to get out onto the water and do some fantastic bass fishing. So with that, I'd like to bring Rich on, and we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. We're going to get into water temperatures. We're going to get into a trip that uh, he and another fishing partner is going to take, headed south of the border, and we'll just uh, have a lot of fun. Get your pen and paper out, because you're going to want to take some notes as Rich is talking about water temperatures here in the Portland area for catching bass. Well, I'd like to welcome Rich Tomlinson, the current vice president and past president of Oregon Bass and Panfish Club, to the podcast today. Rich, welcome. Oh, hi, Don. Thanks for having me on. Well, I wanted to get together with you, Rich, because, uh, as you know, we're in uh, February now. Still a little too cold for fishing, but I thought it'd be a great time to start talking about fishing coming up early spring and a trip that you have planned to get out of our cold weather here in the Northwest and do some trophy fishing. So one of the things that I wanted to start off with, Rich, was... As we get ready to transition from winter to spring, tell me some of the tricks and information that you start watching as the Willamette River starts to turn to be ready for spring fishing. Well, as far as river fishing is concerned, especially Willamette, I like to keep my eye on what the flows are at the gauge at uh, Newburgh. We are currently experiencing high flows because of uh, recent rains. The average flow on the river is about 35,000 cubic feet per second. And right now, though, the last few days there hasn't been rain, it's a little bit lower than that. But for really good fishing, I like to see it below 20,000 CFS. 
And generally, depending on what kind of spring weather we have, and how many fronts move through back, back to back to back, the best fishing on the Willamette doesn't really get started until about March, when it isn't, when the river isn't quite so blown out and isn't uh, uh, so much off color. It starts to get its color back, starts to calm down a little bit, the flow is slow, and it's time to get out there in earnest. Now, Riv, you're talking about the water flows. How do you find out where those where those water flows are at? Is it a website that you're using, or how do you uh, how do you look at that? I am able to follow the water flows on a website. It's a database for the Willamette River out of Newburgh. What it does is it breaks down the information as far as the flows is concerned by date, uh, time of day, cubic feet per second, how high the water is, gauge feet, and what generally the water temperature is. So it's a very informative uh, uh, database that uh, I'm able to refer to and helps me determine uh, before I even hook the boat up where I want to go. Well, let me help folks out that uh, would like to look at that same gauge. If they will bring up OregonBassAndPanfishClub.com and look under angling information, they'll see the links that will take them to the Willamette River gauge in Oregon City. And they can also look at the, the same information that you're looking at. Now, there's also some wind indicators in there and, and that type of thing. So it's um, something that they, they may also use if they're out on the Willamette downstream or even on the Columbia River. As far as flow is concerned, you've talked about that. But then what about the temperatures? Now, where do you like to start fishing as far as temperature is concerned? I seem to have my best luck when the temperatures are um, above 46 degrees. Fish can be caught in colder water. I have caught them in cooler water many times. The fishing in colder water, in, uh, the, the bite is fewer and farther between, but the ones you do get are quality fish. They are well worth your time. Now, does that hold true for both largemouth and smallmouth bass, or is there a big difference? Well, uh, smallmouth are uh, more prevalent in the uh, Willamette River system than are largemouth. And if I pursue largemouth specifically, I probably am not going to choose to go to the Willamette. I would more likely be inclined to go to one of our natural and or man-made lakes or reservoirs. Nope, I understand. So now a lot of us... Uh, who still work and can only go on the weekends, if we notice that the flow is down to a good level, but the water's a little off-colored, would you still go, or is that something that you just kind of turn away from and go, no, nope, I'll wait till next weekend? Uh, on the river, I, I, I wouldn't let off-color bother me too much, no. Um, especially if the weather, river is starting to uh, flow, uh, fall in height and clear a little bit. You drive across one of the bridges right now and look down at the Willamette, and it's, it's fairly muddy looking. When that starts to dissipate and, and lighten up a little bit, then even if it is still off color, I'll go. And if there's a front coming in, would you go before or after that front has, has uh, come over us? Always before. Fishing is better in a prefrontal condition than it will be after the front has passed through. You need to give them some time to uh, 
to uh, get back to their comfort zone after a front has passed through. Um, once the front arrives, they have hunkered down and it, and it puts them off for a couple of days. You have to uh, you have to let that front pass. Then you have to let a couple of days uh, go by after the front has passed to uh, give them a chance to uh, get back to their comfort zone. I know that earlier this evening we were actually talking before we started this, and you were telling me a little bit, or starting to tell me a little bit about the bass behavior. So. Would you like to go into the bass behavior early spring? Because um, that's that's always something that I, I try to pay attention to. Well, you bet. Um, there there are two distinct uh, and different worlds between the largemouth bass and the smallmouth bass when it comes to what they're doing in, in the springtime. As far as smallmouth are concerned, especially on impoundments, reservoirs, man-made lakes, what they're doing is very, very predictable by water temperature. It is uh, actually a very precise, indi- precise indication of uh, where you would probably find smallmouth bass by water temperature. And there's a real small window on each of the temperature frames that I'm going to give you here. I'm going to talk about bass, where they're at, where you might find them in 39 to 42 degree water, in 42 to 44 degree water, in 44 to 46 degree. Um, that, that two degrees is sometimes slow in passing, and you have several days at those water temperatures. Other times it's quick in passing, and you only have a few days at that water temperature. And there is a very distinct uh, different pattern that the fish will engage in given the water temperature. It's, it's more precise than you might think. For instance, um, in 39 to 42-degree 40, water, when we're just coming out of winter, uh, the smallmouth are going to obviously uh, be deep, and they remain deep. Vertical fishing is going to be much more important than horizontal fishing. The fish are not going to be chasing lures. So if you drop a one-fourth-ounce hair jig, uh, and work it very slow and easy along transition lines, you're likely to pick them up. Or if you dead stick a two-inch or three-inch uh, plastic worm, you, if the fish are present, you, you will catch them. Fishing can be tough in those water temperatures, but I don't like to go during those water temperatures unless in the spring it's a calm day, uh, not uh, in prefrontal conditions, not after front. Just a couple of calm days back-to-back than I would consider going out myself. A good day, a six-hour day, might net you about half a dozen fish. In, in uh, uh, 42 to 44 degree water, uh, there's a change-up. Uh, the smallies uh, start to move shallow. They're coming up out of their deep holes. And at these temperatures, four- and five-inch soft plastic worms will begin to work. However, once again, you need to have a slow, deliberate presentation, and for the most part, vertically. The slower and more deliberate, the more fish you're going to hook into. Uh, Fish are holding tight in schools. They're bunched up together. And when you find them, on your sonar, for instance, you should anchor or use spot lock on your trolling motor if you have it, especially if there's any wind. 
because it's critical that your drop zone, which has shrunk considerably, even though the fish are schooled up tight, um, you don't want to be 10 or 15 feet away from where those fish are if you spotted them on your sonar. You want to be three and four feet away from them. And you just have to let your fish, uh, your bait, stick there. Give the fish time to come find that bait. In areas where drop-offs start to flatten towards the main basin of the lake at about 40 feet, you're likely to find in these water uh, temperatures, 42 to 44, that the fish will be holding in 20 to 25 feet. You'll want to uh, zigzag your areas, your favorite areas, and uh, see if you can't spot them on the sonar. They do have to be present at these temperatures, but if you can drop a bait right on their nose, boy, uh, it's well worth your time to try to find them because they are, uh, for the most part, you know, larger and more decent fish at this time of the year. Then again, there's another transition and change up from 44 to 46 degrees. On shallow sloping points, you want to fish the inside lines, the inside curves, and work your way right up a shallow sloping point. The bass will have begun to begin move shallow. They aren't looking uh, for uh, shoreline yet at this time, but they are going to be up and maybe reconnoitering where the spawning uh, areas are and uh, what, what kind of uh, conditions uh, are on those spawning flats, and, um, and they're going to be pretty much ready to eat anything that moves. In 46 to 48, now the bass, most bass, and this is countrywide. I mean, this is so predictable by temperature. These small two-degree change, are, it's incredible. It's hardly believable. Uh, m most bass are going to be shallow at this point. Now you want to use your tubes and your jigs and pigs, and you're going to find most of, the majority of your bass in less than 20 feet of water. Then, once the water temperature hits 48, between 48 and 52, there is the major change. At 48 degrees, it's a very transforming temperature. Now, for the first time since fall, smallies have been caught on crank meat. And crankbaits is really the name of the game. Uh, you want to use small crankbaits, two inches, to match the bait fish. You want to make long casts because you want the bass to see your lure before they see you. And uh, in cold, clear waters, they're very spooky. You don't want them to see you first. Um, using flat-sided uh, Crankbaits with a moderate retrieve is uh, the name of the game. In the spring, it's a, uh, this 48 to 52 degree temperature bracket is the hottest time of the year to catch smallies on crankbaits. It really is. Some of my favorite ones that I like to throw are the Lure Jensen uh, quarter ounce uh, hot lips, which unfortunately Lure Jensen doesn't make anymore, but some of us still have them in our tackle boxes. Speed traps. And I like to fish at about 12 to 13 feet in depth. Uh, I also will go with Norman Deep Little Ends and with Paula's Fat Wrap in shallower water still. And boy, I tell you, that it's a very productive time to catch uh, smallmouth on, uh, on crankbaits. And that, of course, like I said, for the most part, is true with your, in your impoundments, in your man-made lakes, in your reservoirs, and even your natural lakes. On the rivers, uh, basically the same temperature frames uh, frame, uh, uh, apply, but um, they're not holding on exactly the same kind of structure uh, that, they might, that you might find them in the lakes. 
more importantly, on the rivers, if you want to find slower waters, look for uh, current transitions, current seams where slow water meets fast water, and fish right along the seam where the two meet, especially wherever there is an area that um, is very shallow, but deep water is close by. Those are the kind of things that I will do in spring to hunt down smallmouth. Largemouth, on the other hand, are uh, transitioning out of their deep holes and using a high wave, uh, so to speak, to work their way up into the shallows. They will jump from offshore structure to offshore structure, secondary point to secondary point, and work their way up into the coves. And, it's, and that's very predictable with, as far as largemouth is concerned. Largemouth also, like to find and locate the warmest water available. If you can find water that is perhaps one or even two degrees warmer than the main lake surface water uh, in the cove that you happen to be hunting them in, then you have uh, you dial them in. They're going to be there. If you can then find the offshore structure, such as uh, a log, a stump, a boulders, laydowns, riprap, in, uh, and you'll have to use your solar to find this. Um, talking 15, 20 feet deep, you're likely to find the largemouth. They, more than the smallmouth bass, are using a predictable path from their deeper holes up to the shallow. They jump from offshore structure to offshore structure to secondary point, etc. Smallmouth bass uh, are usually uh, in the clearer water deeper uh, uh, areas uh, closer to the dam in an impoundment, and uh, open water. And, and they aren't using the highways so much as they are reacting to temperature. Well, that's interesting. Now, I know that, in fact, on the podcast, I've had some, some of the fishermen talking about uh, swim baits. Now, when do swim baits really come into play and, and uh, how much do you use them? I, I use them quite a bit, and swim baits come into play when they're peeing on bait fish. <laughs> and how do you find that out? Well, you throw a little bit of everything you've got. You, you want to throw your soft plastics um, uh, and see if the crawdad is what they're interested in or if they're uh, peeing on the bait fish. Uh, they're going to, you've got to listen to what the bass are telling you, and they will tell you. You can fish a, a crawdad imitator, a soft plastic, um, for quite some time in your favorite areas, on your favorite spots, in the areas you, you uh, think that all the data that you uh, researched before you went out points to where they might be and get nothing. Then turn around and throw a swim bait and bam, get them right off the bat. You go with what the bass are telling you. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a magical uh, temperature uh, range for when to use swim baits, but generally... Uh, speaking, it, it, it's up to the bass. It's there, it's there on one um, um, pattern one day and on something else altogether the next. Yeah, that, that's very interesting because I know that I go out on the river and and my favorite temperature is the 50-degree number. And once I hit 50 degrees, it seems like I do I do very well. Before that, it's just it's just changing too often. So just my two cents in there. I, I just like it a little bit warmer myself. But thanks for all that information because 
if folks want to get out a little earlier and start fishing, I think, you know, there's there's that time early in March when, you know, if we get some good weather, they can get out there. Now, if you're listening to this podcast right away here in February when I've released it, it is cold here in the uh, Portland, uh, Vancouver area. And matter of fact, they're calling for some snow later in the, in the week. So, Rich, you've been talking about this with me for about a month now. You're going to get out of the cold weather here coming up pretty soon, and you're going to head down to a lake that is, uh, well, we'll just say south of uh, California. Tell us a little bit about that uh, that adventure. Well, we have an opportunity to run down and fish one of the uh, premier bass fishing lakes uh, in the world, for that matter. It has been stocked with Florida, pure Florida strain largemouth bass, from as early as 1986. The uh, biomass in those lakes down there with the calm weather is very rich in nutrients, and the bass grow at a phenomenal rate. And the chances for uh, an angler to pick up a double-digit bass increase dramatically by going down to some of these um, uh, freshwater lakes uh, down in Mexico. And that was the other reason that I brought you on. I wanted you to talk a little bit about fishermen that are fishing here in the Northwest or even heading out of country. Tell me a little bit about your process of getting your uh, gear together for for an area that you've never fished before, you've never been in the water. What are you going to be looking for? Well, I am going to a lake that I have never been on before, and uh, I am... Uh, following the apps, the weather apps of what uh, is happening weather-wise down there. I don't get any data available for the water temperatures or anything. But these lodges that you can do your trips through have been in operation for many, many years, and they use guides that know the water. When you get down there, um, you're going to be informed of what they have found has been working for the last few weeks for their for their previous class before your arrival. And um, it's probably a very good idea to listen to what they have to say about that. But for the most part, um, I, I, rather than knowing exactly what kind of water I want to fish or where on the uh, uh, strange body of water like this that I might want to fish, I instead am going to uh, concentrate on the kind of gear that I need to use. I need to gear up for these Tough fighting largemouth bass. These Florida strain bass are are mean critters. Uh, they will give you a darn good fight. You've got to pull them up out of heavy structure, tree tops uh, that are flooded, high fence, uh, and all sorts of structure that uh, requires heavier line, heavier weights, bigger lures, and uh, rods with backbone. So that's what I've been concentrating on, making sure that when I go down there, I'm going down there with gear that will handle the, avail- the uh, ability to pull these fish up out of their structure like that. And they're bigger fish. Uh, um, I guess the average is three pounds, two and a half, three pounds. Uh, but you never know. Any given cast may be a double-digit bass. And you don't want to lose it as a result of something that you could have had control over, the line that you put on, the knots that you tied, the hooks that you used, et cetera, uh, the, 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 the hook set that you put on it, all of these things are, are really going to be important down there. And so we're really looking forward to it. We don't know exactly what to expect. We have been told that 
for the most part, the spawn takes place between uh, mid-January and mid-February. We're going in about a week and a half. And it won't actually be post-spawn time, according to the lodge owner. He says the spawn can go well into March and sometimes even April down there, just depending on what part of the lake you're on, what the conditions are, what the weather's been like, et cetera. So I intend to listen to what the, uh, what the um, guide has to tell me. I am hoping that in the morning, early on, when the sun just rises up over the Sierra Madre and hits the water, that I will be able to have success on topwaters, especially walk-the-dog type topwaters. There are spooks and that sort of thing. Uh, Poppers, later in the the morning, I'll probably switch over to uh, spinnerbaits and uh, whipless crankbaits. And still later, uh, possibly around noon and in the after, early afternoon, I will go to my soft plastics and fish on the bottom. Carolina rigging and or Texas rig, Texas worms uh, uh, and, and, and crawdads, but, uh, and swimming. But uh, then again, in the evening hours, I think that uh, the top water bite will come back on. So that's what I'm anticipating. When I get down there, I guess I'll find out from the guys whether or not that's the case. So tell me a little bit now. Have you bought or or going to take a different rod and reel that you than what you would use, say, on the on the Willamette? No, I have not. But I but I have over the years uh, used uh, heavier rods and reels. Uh, for specific type of fishing here in the Northwest. And so I have them and uh, available. I have the, uh, a couple of uh, medium heavy uh, casting rods that I'll be taking. I'm going to take one, uh, one uh, medium spinning rod and one medium heavy spinning rod. And I hope that that will, uh, that will cover my bases down there. I'm not taking any of my medium light or ultra light or, or even my drop shot rods. Um, and we're not taking any of our finesse baits that we like, uh, are so fond of up here in the Pacific Northwest. So this will be a lot of fishing around logs, trees, up against the bank, that type of thing? Well, yes. So the flooded trees are out to uh, as much as 20 feet, 25 feet of water. And you can see them. You can see them sticking up out of their emergent. From the from the water level, they, they they're just uh, dead trees that have their limbs and branches, and uh, uh, you may uh, pitch a spinnerbait near near what you think is the base of the tree, but you may not be near the base at all, depending on the depth of water, uh, a mid tree, and it's going to have just as many branches as uh, what you can see above the water line. So if he's in there and he's holding tight to that tree and you get your spinnerbait knocking off those branches, he comes up and takes it. You need to sit, get your hook set into him and get him up out of that, uh, those uh, branches uh, as soon as possible. As a matter of fact, these fish aren't, uh, aren't the type of fish you want to just play. You want to get them in net it. Or you may not get him at all. We have been watching uh, YouTube videos of uh, these lakes down there, Baccarat, Commodore, Wheatay, uh, Agua Milpa, El Salto. These guys that go down there from all over the country, by the way, everybody from everywhere going down there. And we are finding that these fish are really fighting. Uh, they're real battlers. Uh, and uh, a lot of guys uh, in the videos do lose their fish. So 
going to have to pay attention and, and do the best we can as far as uh, making sure we're prepared properly with our, with our presentations and our gear. And now you're limited on the amount of gear that you can take down, right? Well, in, in as much as space is concerned, yes. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a, a ton of tackle and a one change of clothes. <laughs> no. I, uh, um, I'm going to check in a bag full of tackle and then carry on a bag uh, with all the other stuff. And, and we're, and we're um, uh, hoping that what we're taking is sufficient to cover the entire realm. We're, what we're doing is we are approaching it with a um, water column approach, uh, top water, middle uh, of the water column, bottom of the water column. We want to be able to fish them all. And so well, we're taking the kind of gear that will, that will reach each of those uh, spectrums and, and, uh, and be effective. It'll be so interesting to uh, to chat with you when you get back because going this early to us will be mid season down there, I'm assuming, or or the best part of the season. So you will probably from fishing this early be ready as soon as you get back here for a little bit of a warm up and uh, in temp in water temperature, and you'll be right back fishing again. So kind of a nice uh, a nice change of pace, and you and you're going to get out of the uh, Portland uh, area cold weather, so that ought to be a lot of fun. Any other uh, special things that you're doing? Like I noticed that you're changing your line to braid, but you typically fish braid line anyway, don't you? Well, I do when I'm in heavy cover here in the Pacific Northwest. Generally, I don't use a lot of braid when I'm in open water fishing, but um, the braid that I had used, I've taken all off. I put new on, and I'm using heavier braid than I normally use. Now, I've seen videos of guys fishing Egg Lake with 65-pound braid. That, to me, is uh, uh, more than is necessary for that lake. And I uh, am a finesse guy anyway here in the Pacific Northwest. I have found that here locally, scaling down and smaller baits and smaller lines uh, um, have been successful for me. So I did have to gear up and get and get new lines and... Uh, but I'm using my heaviest lures and my strongest gear ratios and, and, uh, my, and my heaviest rods when I go down there. And, in fact, my last guest that was on the podcast was telling me about a lot of large baits that, that he uses because he wants large fish. Are you taking any baits with you that are larger than you normally would throw? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, like I said, we, we geared up on the, uh, on the uh, that's a good point, uh, on the line, but we did on the baits as well. You know, we're using three and four and five-inch uh, Senkos and, uh, and Yumdingers, et cetera, here in the Northwest. For the most part, we're taking uh, seven, eight, nine, ten-inch worms down there. <laughs> we're using three-quarter-ounce lipless crankbaits as opposed to half-ounce or, or even quarter-ounce. We're uh, taking full ounce and maybe even ounce and a half thinner baits. We're taking the, the kind of baits that will get you down in the water column that you want to be in quickly and uh, allow you, uh, you to be in the strike zone longer than, um, than shortly. If you want to be in that strike zone as long as possible. Anyway, yeah, everything is bigger, everything is heavier, uh, everything is beefed up. Wow, that uh, sounds like a uh, a great trip to to take this time of year, and uh, I almost can't wait to uh, to hear when you get back. Well, I, I uh, well probably have some stories to tell. I certainly hope so. 
we're taking a um, uh, we're not uh, we're not go GoPro camera guys, um, but we have a, a video camera we're going to take down with us and our cell phones to take pictures with. And uh, of course, if we uh, get into some really decent uh, fish, then people are going to see some pictures, no doubt about it. Well, and hopefully you guys will uh, send me some pictures back, and uh, I'll be happy to post them up on uh, on Facebook and uh, and on Instagram for for folks to look at, so they can so they can get that bug early while we're still sitting up here in the cooler weather, not ready to fish yet. When we were talking about um, um, this early spring fishing, one of the things that I said was, well, if fish are present. Well, why would they be present anywhere in any way? Because of the food sources. Um, here I am in the autumn of my fishing life, and uh, I have made a study of bass movements and behaviors. Um, but, you know, I think the young folks today should consider studying everything they can about the biomass of any given body of water rather than what the bass are doing. I think they should figure out what the bait fish do, where the crawdads are, where the bait fish are. Uh, if they make a study of that, they will then know better where to fish for the bass. The bass are always following the food source. That's the main reason of their movement, even more so than the urge to spawn on the flats. They've got to have the protein and nutrients to uh, to stand the rigors of the spawn. That means they've got to feed. They're going to follow the bait fish. If you know what the bait fish are doing, you know where to find the bass. Wow, that's some excellent, excellent information. And uh, I hope that folks take that, take that to heart because um, you know there are times when you'll be looking at your fish finder and you will see... Um, all those little bait fish that are close to the surface, and you're thinking, I, I can sort of see them, but I don't know what uh, I don't know what that's telling me. Well, I'm sure what it's telling you is is that there's bass not far behind, and that you should start poking around looking to see if you can find find fish uh, looking to uh, to eat some of those bait fish. So that's that's very valuable uh, information to have. Well, Rich, I'd like to thank you for uh, for coming on and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Well, by golly, I have been on with you before, and I've enjoyed it every time. Thanks, Rich. All right, we'll talk to you again. You betcha. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank Rich for coming on and spending a little bit of time with me and giving us some great information. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Now remember, if you enjoy what you're listening to, pass it on. Put it on Facebook. Put it on your social media. Let your friends know that you found a bass fishing forum that we're using here in the Northwest. I would like to let everybody know that if they have any questions or would like to contact me, please contact me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. And until next time, this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast.